When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on all things silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby. A Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SB Nation, part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Outside, and that is complete. That is Moreau, and Moreau fighting for yardage. The ball is loose again. Uh-oh. Picked up by That's the Cardinals. This is Byron Murphy to the end zone for game. the touchdown and the win. And Raider Nation, let's go. Welcome to Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SB Nation, part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. There you heard it, courtesy of the CBS broadcast, an epic meltdown by the Raiders in the second half of that game. We're going to get into it all here. I am Evan Grote, your host. This is the Week 2 Recap, and I'm sure for many of you out there listening, your Monday morning was a little bit rougher than they normally are. Might have needed the Tums this morning, maybe a little bit of Pepto-Bismol to deal with that nausea after that loss. Just unacceptable at home. Plenty of blame to go around. We will discuss what went wrong on Sunday and where the Raiders go from here. It's gut jack time uh, for this team as they prepare now to get themselves off the mat and head out to Tennessee for a road game in week through uh, week three. Excuse me. Um, I do want to um, put this out there real quick before we get going too far into the show. Uh, I'm just going to give you a warning right now. I'm recording this on Monday night here at 7:30 on the East Coast. As most of you know, I am I do live in Western New York, Bills country, and the game just kicked off. So if you hear some screaming and shouting, it's coming from the upstairs in my house. The wife and kids are up there watching the game. So just wanted to put that out there right now. As I see, the Bills are uh, driving and just scored the first touchdown of the game. So right on cue, you probably hear the shouting going on upstairs in my house, but uh, back to the Raiders. That's why you tune in. Uh, I did book a guest for us this week. Really looking forward to the conversation with Case Kiefer, sports writer for the Las Vegas Sun. We will get some of his thoughts uh, from the game uh, Sunday night. But before we get into it, I do want to remind you to give me a follow on Twitter if you don't already, at egrot 5 And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast over at Silver and Black Pride. Uh, a lot of great content for you uh, coming each and every week. 
Um, okay, with that out of the way, I, I do want to start this recap off on, on a positive note. I know there wasn't a ton of positives from this game. Uh, most of it came in the first half. We know the second half was a, a complete debacle, and we will get to that in a moment. But but the first half of the game, there was a lot of good things that, that happened. And, and obviously, the Raiders did just did not make uh, the necessary adjustments in the second half of the game. The, the Cardinals made adjustments, and the Raiders never adjusted to those adjustments. And um, again, but I want to keep it positive here to start the show. Matt Collins, I'm going to start with him. I thought he looked great on Sunday, and I got to give him credit. He's a much better receiver than 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 I thought. Um, only two games in, but I'm sold on him. I'm sold on him from what I have seen, especially as a fourth option. I mean, he's he's not their top option, although he was in the first half of the game. He was getting peppered with targets all over the place, and you know he 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 made plays, so that that's a good thing. I like what I've seen from him, and you know I'm sure you feel the same way out there who are listening. He kind of reminds me of Andre Holmes. You guys remember him? Kind of a tall, uh, lanky guy. I think he was six four, just like Hollins is. And uh, and um, Holmes had a couple moments with the team, as I'm sure Mac Hollins will. And and what reminds me most about him is not only the body type, but both of them and their ability to play special teams. That's where Hollins excels. So um, you know, just just kind of a comp there for him. But I, I thought his performance from the game was definitely a highlight. Um, and I want to also point out the offensive line as another uh, bright spot in this game. They've been getting a lot of criticism, I know, nationally and, and on other Raiders podcasts and other Raiders media. They've been hard on this offensive line. Um, I, I'm raising my hand right now as one of those people, but I think it's time that they deserve a little bit of praise after the performance on Sunday. I thought they held up very well, to be honest. Dylan Parham was kind of put in a tough spot. Uh making his first NFL start. He stepped in and started at center for Andre James, and I thought he played well in that first NFL start at a position that he never played in college. If you remember, I had the offensive line coach um, from Memphis on the show after the draft, and he said the only time that Dylan actually got reps at center was in practice. He never actually played it in a game. He did get some work there in the senior bowl, but uh, you know he played well, and, and I thought that was, that was really impressive to see that kind of um, – performance from from a rookie um so I, I think he's off to a good start and and I don't think in any way the offensive line was a part of the issue this week last week you could you could uh you could say that this week not the case the run blocking was okay it wasn't great I thought Josh Jacobs uh did a good job of, of turning something into nothing with, with some of his runs but certainly I thought the offensive line did enough to help the team win the game Hopefully they can continue to, to, to build on that performance and be a little bit more consistent and, and, and put uh, put forth some, some more efforts like we saw on Sunday. I also just mentioned uh, Josh Jacobs. I thought that he looked well or looked good. He, he looked fresh, ran hard, I thought, picked up 64 yards on 19 carries. Um, and he showed you some of the things that, that, you know, excites you about him. You saw... Um, him using the jump cut really well. He ran physical, lowering that shoulder and 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 punishing some of those defenders at times. I, I saw him get involved in pass protection. And as I said, he's he really made the most of a couple of runs that looked like they would go for no gains, but he was able to turn them into gains of three and four yards. So I, th- I think right now he looks fresh and he looks healthy, which is a good thing. And that's always been the concern with him. Uh, can he stay on the field? So those were a couple of the the positives, three positives 
for me uh, that I took away from this game. I do want to shift gears now, though, to the second half of the game and, and what went wrong, which was a lot, as you know. And I got to tell you, I've been reading a lot of Twitter. I've listened to a couple different podcasts today. And I'm hearing and seeing a lot of finger pointing going on right now by the fan base, which is natural after a loss like that. I, I see, and I was listening to Raider Nation Radio a bit this morning, I see and hear a lot of people placing blame on Derek Carr and the offense. It's their fault. Josh McDaniels, he's a popular scapegoat today as well. And and, and then there's the, 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 the part of the fan base that's pinning it all on the defense. They, they should shoulder the blame. After all, you know, they did allow 29 points in the second half. And uh but 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 to me, I think I think most of you are getting this wrong. I, I really do. I have yet to, to to have seen or have heard um enough people calling this exactly what it was. To me, this was a collective failure by coaches and players, by the offense and and the defense. This was the perfect storm of failures on offense in the second half and and, and the defense not getting stops. It was a perfect storm. It was a disaster. That, what we saw on Sunday night, that was the opposite of complementary football, which is what you're striving for every week. You cannot have your offense total... 48 yards in the second half of the game. I think that's what it was. I think it was 48. Running only 19 offensive plays. Three points. The defense cannot be on the field for 51 plays. The defense cannot allow four fourth down conversions during the game. 29 uh, points allowed. In one half of football, that cannot happen. If you want to go out there and be considered a team that other teams across the league need to take serious and and you want to be a team that makes some noise in the AFC West and gets into the playoffs, those things cannot happen. And so to me, you can go out there and blame Derek Carr and you can blame Josh McDaniels, you could blame the refs, and blame the defense. But in reality, this was a team loss. It was a collective failure by the Raiders on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. Now, I have no problem with people who want to go out there and dissect the individual performances of the $40 million quarterback or the $30 million receiver or Hunter Renfro, who just signed a, a pretty good deal for himself who fumbled the ball twice in overtime, twice in three plays. That's fair. These are these are these guys are big boys making a lot of money. They can they can handle it. And if you want to go out there and criticize Chandler Jones, who's been an absolute non-factor so far in these first two games, go ahead. I think Josh McDaniels is fair game as well. But I don't think it's fair to pin it on one guy. This in this case, this was a team loss 100%. Anyways, for me, my biggest frustrations, and I'm not, and I'm not. This is not me placing blame. I'm just saying, if I had to pick my biggest frustration from the game, it's got to be on the offensive side of the ball because that is where the star power is on this team. 
because they have all the stars. They have all the weapons. They have what we thought was a top-flight play caller. I thought with a 20-point lead going into half, when they came out in the second half, I thought they played not to lose. And I'm sure many of you agree, not to lose. They took their foot off the gas, and they didn't go for the knockout. And that's what good teams do. That's what teams with potent offenses do. Teams like the Bills and the Chiefs. They put opponents away. And that didn't happen. Now, coming out of that game, I I have two major concerns right now that I want to discuss with you. Okay? The first concern that I have is that the Raiders went out and spent a lot of money this past offseason. I mentioned some of the recipients just a minute ago who have benefited from receiving some of that money. And I have no problem with the Raiders going out and giving the money to the guys that they did. There is a reason why you go out and spend big money on those types of players. It's because they're good. It's because they're difference makers. And the Raiders have difference makers. Devontae Adams is a difference maker. Darren Waller is a difference maker. Max Crosby, Chandler Jones... And so on. Those are difference makers. The combination of Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels was supposed to be a difference maker. But when the team needed a big stop on defense, when they needed a throw or a catch to be made to stop the bleeding, to get the train back on the tracks, they were nowhere to be found. And to me, that's concerning. And to use some references from baseball, it's like having your ace pitcher on the mound, right? I'm sure you guys are some baseball fans out there. I'm a Yankee fan, okay? You've got that ace, that stopper, that when you lose three or four straight, you've got your ace coming up. He's on the mound. You know you're going to get seven or eight strong innings from him. You just know it. Or how about how about the closer, right? Coming in to close the game for you. One run lead, bottom of the ninth. To use another baseball reference. Where was the Raiders closer on Sunday they didn't have one they didn't have one and you look across the field at Kyler Murray with a much inferior team around him certainly on offense not nearly the weapons the Raiders have his best receiver suspended he got paid like an elite quarterback this offseason some people criticized the move but we saw him Sunday night put the team on his shoulders and willed them to victory and, and 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 that is something that needs to be pointed out as well. For all the talk about what the Raiders didn't do right, how about what Kyler Murray did do? He was excellent in the second half of that game. He did things that only three or four quarterbacks in the NFL are capable of doing. And and that that is hats off to him. He he was great in the game. But the point I'm making is when you have stars, which is what we thought the Raiders have, and I and I believe they do. They need to show up in key moments. There were several moments, key moments in the second half, and nothing from those guys. Nothing. I'm talking big-time plays. And so to me, that is what is so disappointing from Sunday night. And the second concern that I have is, is with what appears to be a lack of chemistry between McDaniels and Carr. It is just not there yet. I can't quite put my finger on exactly what it is. Maybe you can, and if you can, please share it with me on Twitter, at egrot5, send me a message, DM me, okay? 
I think it's going to get there eventually. Uh, but we're just not seeing it right now. And, and I'm not sure if Carr is in command. In fact, I know Carr is not in command of what McDaniels is asking him to do with this offense. And to be honest, I'm a little surprised because this is not the first time that Carr has gone through this, this coaching change or coordinator change. He's done it in the past, and he's done it well. But I'm going to go back to the audio that I played last week on the preview show on Thursday when Carr said he has a lot of philosophies going on in his head right now. All the other coordinators and what they wanted him to do. And he's trying to get all of that out all of that out of his system and just focus on what McDaniels is asking him to do. So I think that's part of it. Now we know Carr missed some throws yesterday. Had the, the near interception in overtime. He's normally a pretty accurate quarterback. A lot You hear a lot of people um, uh, talk about that as one of his strengths, his accuracy. But we're seeing some issues with the accuracy right now. And I think it all goes back to him being unsure of things. I told you guys to be patient. That, that sometimes these things take time to come together to mesh. But things need to get going quickly. I know it's week, we're heading into week three. I understand that. And I know that McDaniels, he said it last week, he wants his team to be playing his best football, their best football at the end of the year. But in a division like the AFC West, you don't want to find yourself falling too far behind because it could be too little too late. You can't start out four and seven, four and eight and then expect that you're going to have five straight wins. I mean, it's possible, but you got to take care of business. You got to win the games that you're supposed to win, and that was a game that they were supposed to win. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, things are not going to get much easier here in the next three weeks. On the road at Tennessee, we'll see how Tennessee fares tonight um, at Buffalo. They're already down early in the first quarter, 7 nothing. Back home the following week versus Denver, Say what you want about Denver. I know they have not looked good. Uh, I think they're going through some of the similar growing pains that you're seeing from the Raiders, new head coach, new quarterback, new coordinators. I think they're going to figure it out just like the Raiders will. And then you go back out on the road to Kansas City in week five. I said, I've said it many times, we would learn a lot about the Raiders in the first five weeks of the season. So far, it's been underwhelming. But they have an opportunity to get it turned around. It's gut check time for the Raiders, and that's that will be the theme uh, of the week as far as I'm concerned on Just Pod Baby. You're going to hear me talk about it again Thursday on the preview show. So that is your week two recap. I hope you enjoyed it with some of my thoughts. I'm going to step aside now and, and get my break in, and when I return, we're going to give you uh, my turning point play of the game. Uh, you could probably pick out several of them in, in that game uh, last night, but I, I, I went with the one that I thought was definitely the, the the major turning point in the game. Um, we're also going to chat with Case Kiefer from the Las Vegas Sun. Uh, he was there at Allegiant uh, Stadium on Sunday, and we will get uh, his reaction from the game. So don't go anywhere. This is Just Pied Baby, part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to Just Pod, baby. Run down the field on them. Your home for all things Las Vegas Raiders football. Raiders! News, views, and guests. Just win, baby. <laughs> There's only one nation, and they listen here. Once a Raider, always a Raider. All right, Raider Nation, we are back here. Week 2 recap of Just Pod Baby. I am your host, Evan Grote. Make sure you are subscribing to the podcast. And you know what? Leave us a nice five-star review and rating if you wouldn't mind. If you would be so kind, please get that done for me. Still searching for our first Victory Monday episode here of the season. Instead, Raider fans are looking for the words to try to explain what the heck happened at Allegiant Stadium, the largest blown lead in franchise history. But I digress. Let's move to something else now. We're going to talk about our turning point play of the game for this week. And there's a lot of different plays that you could point to and say that was the moment that things really started to turn, right? And so it wasn't easy to do that this week, but here is my week two turning point play of the game. Murray on the move, trying to spin away from trouble, and Max Crosby can't hold him. Still on the move. Murray throwing. End zone. Incomplete. This is pretty, this is a fun game. Holding defense number 33. At least half a distance to the goal line. Well, now the Cardinals at first and goal from the three-yard line. And there you heard the turning point play of the game. Uh, that is the one I went with. It was with 30 seconds to go in the game. It was a fourth and four from the Las Vegas six-yard line. Kyler Murray, uh, you know, using some of that magic again, was able to wiggle out of Max Crosby's grasp. I, I still cannot believe that happened. I kind of had flashbacks to when Deshaun Watson did that to Crosby a couple of seasons ago. But anyhow, he was able to uh, get get away from the sack and 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 deliver a ball that eventually would be incomplete. Uh, but if it wasn't for a, a holding penalty, a defensive holding penalty on Roderick Teamer, you know the game would have been over. Uh, but you know, and I and I know that's a, a major talking point today is with the referee's call in that at that moment and and I did see the replay like all of you did and I and I agree with you guys that I didn't see a whole lot there um unless there's something in the rule that I'm not aware of I didn't see a whole lot of holding that was going on but what I would say to you folks out there that are pinning that on on the referees yes I believe it was a missed call I don't I don't disagree with you there but but it 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 wasn't the referee's fault the Raiders lost this game, if that's your take. The Raiders should have never allowed it to get to that point. The Raiders should have never allowed it to get to the point where it was left up to a, a, a call because it should have never gotten there in the first place. So that's what I would say to you guys if, if, that's, if that's your stance, which that's fine if that's the way you see it. But to me, the responsibility falls on the Raiders, as, as I mentioned. And, of course, that gave the the Cardinals a fresh set of downs. Um, on second and three, Jonathan Abram nearly intercepted the ball, which, again, would have ended the game. Didn't happen, and we know how it all ended from there. Fourth and goal, 
Uh, Kyler Murray was able to run it in from three yards out. They had the successful two-point conversion, which was just a complete dime by Murray. Go back and watch that play on instant replay in slow-mo. Had hands, he had to throw the ball over, had, had the tightest little window to get that ball into, and, and he was able to do that. So that was my week two uh, turning point play of the game. All right, we are going to head out to the phone lines now and welcome in our guest this week on the recap show. Sports writer for the Las Vegas Sun, Case Kiefer, is kind enough to give us a few minutes of his time this evening. Make sure you go out there and give Case a follow on Twitter at Case. That's Case with a C, Kiefer, K-E-E-F-E-R. Uh, Case, first of all, welcome to the show. We appreciate you hopping on. You and I were talking a little bit off air before we uh, came on here recording and you told me you were at the game last night at Allegiant. I would like for you to share with us what the atmosphere was like at that moment when Hunter Renfro fumbles the ball, Byron Murphy picks it up for the scoop and score. Tell us about that a little bit, if you could. Yeah, I guess I would just say probably like everyone else, it just seemed uh, like most of the crowd was kind of shocked and stunned and trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, I mean, you did hear some roar and uh, mostly white jerseys jumping up and down in the stands. The Cardinals did have a pretty decent contingent of fans, but, you know, for the most part, it was uh, it was quite different from, from kickoff and, of course, in the first half when the atmosphere was probably not the best it's been in Allegiant, but, you know, one of the best. It was super loud. I think there was so much excitement uh, about this team's home debut, and then to end like that, it, it was a total 180, uh, totally different. So, I, you know, if one word comes to mind, I know it might be basic, but it, I just felt like there was a sense of shock. Uh, everywhere all around the building uh, when, when Byron Murphy returned the touchdown. Absolutely. I think shock is the, the best way you can describe it. And, uh, you know, before we get into the what went wrong in the second half, I do want to start out with a kind of a positive note. I thought the offensive line played better. Dylan Parham, the rookie, was was put into the lineup as, as the starter at center, and he doesn't have a whole lot of experience at that position. And I, I thought he responded well to having his number called early in the season. And and overall, I thought the offensive line did more than enough to put the offense in position to be successful. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, man, I, I might actually take it uh, one step further. I thought the offensive line played passable two weeks in a row. I know it wasn't super pretty last week, but I thought the majority of the sacks in the Chargers game, uh, the five, uh, I think what Derek either took uh, five or six of them, I, I think uh, all but one or two were, were on him and he was holding the ball too long and it, it was more on him. I thought the line was better than I thought it would be. It's still, you know, mediocre by NFL standards. Um, so I, I think, yeah, if you are looking for a positive, I don't think it's been the disaster you think it was going to be. And I, I agree with you. I've been uh, very impressed by Dylan Parham, um, especially the week one, you know, I, I thought he was their best lineman out of, out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that. And then uh, as a Raiders fan, uh, I think you had to be a little bit concerned for this week with him going to center. Uh, just that's a lot more responsibility uh, moving over there. And then early in training camp, he was really struggling uh, with his snaps. Now he got it sorted out. I don't think I saw a bad snap from him, you know, the last several weeks in practice. But uh, it was still stuck in my mind, like those first few days of training camp when he was rolling uh, snaps back, couldn't get the exchange down with, with Derek Carr. I kind of expected to see some snap issues. Uh, on Sunday and I don't think he really had many issues at all I know he missed a couple blocks uh, seen some gifts out there and I know it wasn't a perfect game by any means but he's a rookie and and for what you're getting out of a third round draft pick rookie in these first two games I think he's uh, definitely exceeded all expectations and is uh, a good piece for the Raiders to build around yeah and I made the comment earlier in the in the podcast that um, center position is not a position that he has a lot of experience in. Uh, in fact, he never played a game there 
in college, I had the opportunity to interview his offensive line coach from Memphis. And the only time he really got work was at practice. So the, the fact that he was put into that situation only in his second game, I, I thought he came out of that uh, looking really good. But l- let's go ahead now. Let's peel that Band-Aid off. Let's get into the second half now. Raiders, you know, took a 20 to nothing lead into halftime and and they kind of slowly allowed the, the Cardinals to creep back into the game. Offensively, they ran only 19 plays in the second half, the Raiders. Uh, a lot of three and outs and, and the defense was on the field far too long, 51 plays and, and just had no answer for Kyler Murray. I'm interested to get your opinion because I see a lot of finger pointing going on out there, um, in you know, on Twitter and, and amongst the fan base. What what was the most alarming takeaway for you? Was it the offense's inability to sustain drives or the defense not being able to get off the field? Oh man, that's uh, uh, taking between two evils there for sure. I guess I would have to say the the offense just a little bit. I mean, of course, that the defense was was nothing to write home about. Had issues on its own, but. You know, they, they were so close. And like you said, they were on the field uh, so much. And then, you know, ultimately in the end, I felt like they did enough to, to, to win the game, even though they gave up uh, the, the two touchdowns and the two two-point conversions. I think those two plays by Deron Harmon uh, in overtime, you know, stopping uh, the run to, to, to bring up fourth and one and then breaking up that pass, which I thought was a really gutsy uh, good call by Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals. But to get that hit, that hit on Hollywood Brown and break up the pass, um, you know, it wasn't pretty, but I thought the defense then put the offense in position uh, to ultimately win the game. And just like we had seen ever since halftime, I mean, the offense just couldn't get it together. Uh, you know, we'll always remember the the Renfro last fumble, of course, return for their touchdown, but it wasn't look like they were looking good before that. I mean, Derek Carr almost threw an interception the play before. Uh, Renfro fumbled two plays before, and uh, luckily for the Raiders, Foster Moreau was there. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think the this team was kind of built on offense. You thought their defense could be pretty good. Um, but I never, you know, expected them to be like a top 10 or top half of the league, even defense. I thought somewhere around average. Um, so if, if you can only score 20 points in a game, I, I think you want more than that for the Raiders, especially going up against this Cardinals defense that has a lot of injuries, uh, has struggled. Um, and the offense was just so out of sync and, and in so many ways, not just pointing fingers at one person in the second half, but the play calling was suspect. Uh, you know, Derek Carvis seemed like he was kind of paralyzed, couldn't get around what, what Josh McDaniels wanted to do. Um, it, it was bad in a lot of ways. So I, I think if I had to point one finger, it'd be on the offense. We are chatting with Las Vegas uh, Sun sports writer Case Kiefer, who was our guest this week on Just Pod Baby. I'm glad you brought up, uh, you know, the, the suspect play calling and whatnot, because I do want to I want to discuss Josh McDaniels with you uh, for a moment. What did you think about the the decision to to throw the ball twice in overtime from the Arizona 39 yard line, the second play of which uh, is was the play that Renfro fumbled on that led to the scoop and score by Murphy. You know it's easy for me to second guess here from where I'm sitting a day later, but but you know looking back, the, the safer maybe even the smarter play would have been to give the ball to Jacobs who. Um, you know, could have picked you up three to five yards, and then you bring out the kicker who has been so good in those clutch situations going back to last season. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's easy for us to sit here now and, and say, but uh, you look back on it and you got to think, like, man, why didn't you just run the ball at least once there? You know, me, I, I know uh, Josh McDaniel today really de- defended himself and said, uh, you know, you never want to stop being aggressive, but I don't really think they were aggressive. I think he kind of contradicts himself for the whole second half. I don't think they were aggressive enough without with just a few exceptions um you know to, to throw on every play there I, 
is a little much for me. I mean, Josh Jacobs was running hard. He wasn't having a great game or anything. I think he was only averaging like four yards a carry. But you, like you said, you really only need a few more yards there. And, you know, really, arguably, you don't even need any more yards. I mean, Daniel Carlson can probably make that. Uh, we, we've seen him make these long field goals time and time again. I understand wanting a little more. But, uh, you know, if, if it was me, and like I said, he's easy to criticize. I, I think he run at least uh, – uh, one play for Jacobs there. Uh, I thought the line was okay. You know, maybe he picks up five or six yards and you're in a little more comfortable territory. I understand wanting a few more yards, but uh, what was kind of baffling to just keep going to those short passes that, that hadn't really worked all second half and in overtime. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess to, to play devil's advocate, uh, you know, if, if they do trot Carlson out there and, and to attempt a long field goal and he, and he misses, then you give the Cardinals the ball back in, in really good field position. But I, I guess we'll never really know uh, because it's not how it worked out. But, um, you know, I think it's a fair assessment to, to say that the chemistry right now between Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels isn't quite there yet. I was I was speaking about that in, in segment one of the show as well, for whatever the reason may be, you know, but it just looks like Carr is not comfortable. He's not in command of this offense. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think it will get better. I don't think that, uh, you know, this is something that's going to stick the whole time. I mean, I've only been uh, covering the team since they've been in Vegas, so I can't speak with too much authority uh, before that. But I know uh, there was a learning curve with John Gruden as well, and I think Gruden ultimately brought the best out of Derek Carr, and he looked super comfortable uh, in the offense once he'd been around a while. I know that's not the best comparison because he's got so much more talent around him right now, and they've really put him in a position to succeed. Um, so I think a lot of the failings fall on his shoulders. But, you know, I do think, uh, you know, it seems like Josh McDaniels has been a little heavy-handed and hasn't given him uh, – you know, maybe enough freedom. It seems like, you know, sometimes Derek Hargis, for lack of a better word, just looks overwhelmed, just trying to execute exactly what Josh McDaniels wants and uh, hasn't really been able to, to improvise or go off script much at all from, from what it looks like to me. So I, I think there's a happy balance there. Um, you know, Josh McDaniels acknowledged it. He said, we're going through these growing pains together. Um, we, we just need to find a way to get through them and, and get some victories with it. And, you know, hopefully for the Raiders' sake, that's coming. But uh, yeah, certainly right now, uh, you've seen flashes of it, but they haven't been able to to sustain it for four quarters in either game. Are you at all surprised uh, to to see the start that Derek Carr and the offense is off to? I mean, last week he played okay, did have the three costly interceptions, and then in week two he and the the offense could only muster uh, 48 yards of total offense in the second half. There's a lot of weapons around him, so so really no excuses for this offense at this point, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I am a little surprised. Maybe I was too swayed by it. I, I would say coming into the season, um, I mean, you had to like what they had, but I, I'd say I was a little bit down on the Raiders as compared to everyone else just because of this division. I didn't think they were necessarily going to be great. But, you know, then I kind of felt my tune changing after being around training camp. They just looked so good every day. Uh, the offense was just humming. It seemed like nothing was going wrong. I mean, I don't think Derek Carr threw an interception until maybe the penultimate practice uh, on a route Nate Hobbs uh, jumped. And then you say, okay, well, the Raiders defense maybe just knows these guys. But then when, when they hosted the Patriots, I mean, they weren't keeping score, obviously, but it was just a blowout for the Patriots, for the Raiders offense, excuse me. They just tore apart the, the Patriots. And I, I really, maybe I overreacted to that, but I, I kind of thought they'd go into the season just, just clicking. I didn't really expect these growing pains from watching them, uh, you know, for six weeks or whatever it was over the summer. But it uh, just goes to show that the regular season's a, a whole different beast and they couldn't really just plug in uh, exactly what they had done in practice and make it work in the games. But that potential is still there, so... I think they'll get it figured out uh, in time, but you just don't have much time in, in a 17-game season, especially, uh, like I said, in the AFC West. So we'll see uh, how quickly they can sort it out. 
Yeah, and that's kind of where I want to wrap up this uh, this discussion. You know, the Raiders are staring at 0-2 right now, and I'm sure you've heard the stat since the NFL expanded its playoff system. Uh, no team has started off 0-2 and made the playoffs, so some work to be done if they want to get things back on track, and, it, and it's not going to be as easy in this division. The Chiefs look to be, uh, you know, not missing a beat at all, and, and I think the Chargers, although they, they kind of blew that game, uh, against Kansas City, that I think they're going to be, you know, a, a tough team as well all throughout the season. Um, three tough games coming up, starting uh, in Week Three with uh, on the road in Tennessee, back home against Denver. Say what you want about how they've been playing lately. I think they're kind of going through some of those growing pains as well. And then on the road again in Kansas City in Week Five. How important is it that the Raiders get it going here in Week Three? Yeah, I think uh, it all of a sudden sets up as a central. I mean, losing this game. Uh, being 0-2, um, you already cited the stat, stat from the last couple of years um, being 0-2, and, and I don't remember exactly what it was for 0-3, but I know I've looked it up before, and it is uh, not pretty no matter how far back you go. And, you know, this, this is a tough stretch here. I agree with you. I, I still think we've yet to see the best of the Broncos either. I know they uh, haven't looked the best and only going 1-1 one one against probably the easiest schedule in the NFL, but I think they're going to sort some things out too. And, you know, at Kansas City, that's a game you kind of not not them, but myself, and I, I think most realistic fans kind of expect them to lose. So I feel like the pressure is really on for uh, these next two games. I, I think you really want to be two and two going into that uh, game with Kansas City, and then their buys coming up. So you know, if you're any worse than uh, two and three going into the buy, I mean, I I have a really tough time thinking they can make a playoff run, even if everything uh, sinks in the second half. So I think these next two weeks. Uh, loom very large, uh, even though I, I wouldn't have said as much uh, a couple weeks ago. Absolutely. 100% agree with you. I think you, you, you nailed it perfectly. But uh, Case Kiefer, everyone, Las Vegas Sun sports reporter. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Case Kiefer. Uh, Case, thanks for the time tonight, and, and keep up all of your great work over there at the Las Vegas Sun. All right, yep, good talking with you. Thanks. Okay, good spot there with Case Kiefer from the Las Vegas Sun. I, I thought he made a lot of great points, specifically when he was talking about the chemistry with Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels, talking about the growing pains and, and, and the lack of freedom that McDaniels is giving Carr right now. And, and you know, the two need to come together and get it figured out soon. And I also thought he made an excellent point about the joint practices, and I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, the joint practices with the Patriots, and, and you heard him say it, but he was there. The offense was firing on all cinders, and that was cylinders, I should say, and, and that was um, the reports that we were getting, you know, fr- from the other beat writers as well. Completely dominated uh, the Patriots, and so we know the potential is there. He mentioned it. We have seen glimpses of it in these first two weeks. It just needs to get more consistent now, and it has to get more consistent in a hurry. All right, I, I think we've covered it all now, Raider Nation, for this week on the Recap Show. Uh, you will hear from me again in, in just a couple of days with the Week 3 preview on the upcoming game Sunday versus the Titans um, in Tennessee, by the way. So be on the lookout for that. And in the meantime, enjoy your weekend, everyone. I'm Evan Grote, and as always, just win, baby.